0: We're back again with a fourth edition of Beauty GPS in the Raw. I'm your navigator, Mary Shook. Today, skincare industry icon Annette Hansen is in the hot seat to talk about spas and skin clinics that advertise high-tech procedures using illegal medical devices. Spas have never been under more pressure to give the public a result at any cost, and a growing number of devices are not even cleared by the FDA and being performed out of the scope of the Skincare Pros license. The Times reported as far back as 2011 that personal injury from non-physician operators had risen by 78%. In my own practice, consumers with severe or permanent damage are being sent to me on a weekly basis by doctors, dermatologists, and their agents, since I'm notorious for helping calm the situation. Incidences at spas can happen at any time, but permanent damage is not only physically scarring, but emotionally scarring to the consumer. From what I gather most, consumers are afraid or embarrassed to report their permanent damage as a result of these illegal services and equipment. These services are even on menus and visible in major department stores, so the consumer can only assume that they must be legal. Annette Hansen, founder of Italia Esthetique Institute, was instrumental in writing the curriculum for the New York State Aesthetics License and is heavily diplomaed internationally through her studies in France with Carita, Payot, and Lancôme. She is also a published author, educator, lecturer, and founder of two groundbreaking skincare lines. I kept this raw version of Annette Hansen's interview because there's just too much information that's beneficial to both the consumer and aspiring estheticians. Annette and I also talk about her beauty hacks after 40 years in the skincare industry and her non-surgical secrets to her youthful neckline and eyes. Please note that all opinions of Annette Hansen are that of her own and not to be taken as legal advice. You can check with your state's laws and guidelines at beautygps.com for further information. Now sit back. And enjoy the show And thanks for listening. So hello, Ms. Hansen, welcome to the hot seat. Hi,
1: Ms. Mary Shuk. I'm happy to be here, and I just want to point out that you were one of my top students.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so today I want to talk about spas and skin clinics that advertise high-tech procedures that are using medical devices that are trending really, really big right now and) Let's first talk about uh, how many years ago you started in this industry and who you are.
1: Well, my name is Annette Hansen, and I started a postgraduate training facility and aesthetic licensing school in 1985. Wow. I came, I did all my education in Paris. I was hired by the president of Lancome to open the first New York beauty Institute for Lancome in Bloomingdale's on the eighth floor. And that started my career in the skincare business. At the time, when I got into Lancome, uh, the first thing they asked me to do was do a haircut. And I said, pardon, (laughs) I had already done two years of training. (laughs) <laughs> and I knew skincare better than anyone in the salon. And I said, "Why would I do a haircut?" And of course, they said that there was no skincare license in the state of New York. There was only a cosmetology license. So I had Lancome had to send me back to skin to cosmetology school. And that was the only way I could legally do a facial in the state of New York. Of course, I got angry and I got politically active. And uh, Secretary Treadwell, in 1992, asked me to write a curriculum for aesthetics. And we split the license into five specialty licenses on July fifth, nineteen 1994. Wow. So. I I did create a curriculum of 1,200 hours, but the state cut it down to 600 hours, and um, I I put as much knowledge and safety for the consumer as I could in that curriculum, and that is the curriculum that still stands today.
2: Wow. So, now, you have a huge background in in French training, like French techniques and so on. Can you tell us more about that, that training and why French skincare is so big in beauty?
1: Well, remember for the French, beauty is a way of life. They, it isn't like we go to a facial salon because we see a pimple or we see sagging skin. They have always had facials as part of their life since they were teenagers. Um, the other thing we've got to hand it to the French—they drink a lot of wine, and wine has a lot of antioxidants, resveratrol, phenols, and and um, and they also naturally, you know, cleanse and tone their skin. And they don't—they they do it. They see their mother do it, and they keep on doing it.
2: Oh, interesting. So I
1: believe French, the French also. My course was two years, not four months. It was two years. Okay. That was important also. So they, they also, um, they also um, don't put a lot of makeup on. Their skin shines through. They have an interior glow. Um, they believe in less is more. And as you know, the French embrace their wrinkles. There isn't as much plastic surgery in France as there is in the United States.
2: Interesting. Uh, well, it's a client of mine had just come back actually from Paris, uh, and they had the Biologique Recherche Spa that is a huge townhouse. And she said they didn't use one device on her, and her skin looked great. She says, I'm really surprised. All she did was use her hands. And she tried to talk about the hand motions, like the depotement, and other things that we learned at Italia Esthetique in New York, because you guys... Teach the French way. So I just wanted you to know that I was like, oh yeah, I know exactly what they're do- doing and what they're talking about because we had that training through your school.
1: Right. When I created, when I came from um, Paris in the um, in in the 1970s, we were not taught extraction. We had a machine that gently vacuumed the skin after and after exfoliation but no esthetician would squeeze the skin no esthetician would extract a blemish because by having weekly facials and doing skincare, they never had that need there was no equipment there was cleansing there was toning and there were massage movements that yes I did incorporate all my massage movements from Lancome from Pio from Chanel from Dior um, I worked with all those companies. They all are, have institute lines, and I brought it back to my school in 1994, and that's what we teach today. We really concentrate on, um, on massage of the face and neck. Uh, and I think there are two ways in this country right now. There are people that are going natural, and they are doing deep, Deep massage of the face and neck, which is within our license. And then there are those people that are going absolutely high-tech. They're wearing a white uniform. Um, and they're, they're uh, watching everything that's going on in the industry. But unfortunately, it's the Wild West out there. They're watching Instagram, and they're seeing a procedure. And the next thing, they're buying a machine illegally with two days training, and away they go. And there, there's no doubt that estheticians that are doing um, that are doing um, treatments as detailed as radial frequency and as detailed as microblading and as detailed as um, as as I would say skincare rejuvenation with lasers. They're really setting themselves up for problems, problems with legal problems, because right now, every state in the country has made their own rules for laser, but basically, they say it's a purview of physicians. And so, there came about medical centers of beauty. There came about medical spas. Now that all has to have a doctor on staff, but there's a way, there's a few ways of doctors. Are they on premises? Are they within the city? Are they a phone call away? The client, the client, rightly so, is extremely mixed up because the regulations for the use of lasers are highly inconsistent. Who can operate lasers? What are the regulations? Who are they allowed to delegate to? Who's supervising? So that's why we're having so much trouble with lasers. The one thing I can tell you is that laser hair removal in the state of New York is allowed. We're the only state where right now laser hair removal can be done um, and and, uh, and 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 we give insurance for it, and we have training, and on that on that regard we're good. The only problem is that once a, once an esthetician has a laser in their facility, they then begin to do other forms of treatments such as skin rejuvenation, and therefore. They can get into trouble. So, Mary, what I want you to know is really the definition of aesthetics. So the definition of aesthetics is that we are doing services to enhance the appearance of the face, neck, arms, legs, and shoulders of a human being. We can use makeup, eyelashes, depilatories, tonics, lotions, waxes. We can do mechanical And physical exfoliation and we can use chemical or electrical means that gives us a lot of leeway and there Mm -hmm. you go so there's no problem with microdermabrasion because it's a physical way of exfoliating the skin there's no problem with chemical peels uh, within our boundaries as aestheticians, aesthetic chemical peels, because that is physically loosening the bonds of the dead skin, so we're okay there. Now we have the word electrical. So electrical, as you know, um, as you know, laser and light treatments, LED, is a terrific treatment. We can do that. We know that we uh, activate the collagen. We know that we reduce pigmentation. We know that we reduce redness. And again, the client does not feel anything. We work on the top of the skin and we get results. So we can use light and LED therapy. Now we get into the word electrical. So radiofrequency is electrical waves. Lasers are electrical waves. So, the way everybody considers this is as long as we don't break the skin open, as long as we don't abrade the skin, as long as we don't inject the skin, then when we're working over the skin with a low setting of radio frequency, then we are staying within our epidermis and we have a very low setting, and we are not working on live tissue. So there's two words I want the uh, listeners to remember. One is non-invasive and non-ablative. That's why all of this is such a gray area, because when you turn around, you look at the machine, it is working on the top of the skin okay and and if the person has education and i mean a lot more than 2 days of course they have to be an esthetician that goes without saying 49 out of 50 states have regulated hours of education but how much education do they have now to use this light setting radio frequency because our body for instance is 37 degrees so if radio frequency is used um, non-invasively it's heating up the skin to a temperature of just 38 to 41 and the person has had vast amounts of training right now people are doing it and and they're doing it within boundaries The point is, these same machines that are cleared for estheticians, for instance, microdermabrasion machines, they can be at an aesthetic setting, and then all of a sudden they can go too deep. So estheticians have to know their scope of license. They should know that they are not allowed to do injections. They are not allowed to intentionally Break the skin, so when you're doing microblading, where you have to break open the skin and put in a dye, which of course has not been FDA approved, you're 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 running a great risk that there will be a reaction. and that's what's going on now. The inks and the tattoos, they are not regulated. Uh, the actual practice of tattooing. Every state is trying to catch up. For instance, the state of New York, all you need is a tattoo license. They don't even ask you to be an esthetician. So can you imagine that people are taking a tattoo license for one day and they're going to a two-day course and they're purchasing dyes where we don't know whether they're organic or inorganic and they're putting it under the skin. I mean, I don't understand why the buyer, the consumer... It's consumer beware. Do your homework. Search textbooks. Ask your doctor. Um, look for the um, contraindications. And, you know, you are taking your life in your hand because people have had bad reactions to all of these treatments that are what I, I will say quasi-medical.
2: The question is that, you know, told the New York Times did that, article on on the nail expose it, it just seems that there's so much that's out there wide open and and even on menus now like before when i first got started you would not even dare see an eyelash tinting because it was highly illegal because enough people had gone blind from that service and now all of a sudden you're seeing that on everyone's menu you're seeing just all the stuff on people's menus so why even just in the state of new york are these things not being policed
1: Real answer is that budget-wise, New York State doesn't have enough inspectors. So yes, the rules for cosmetologists and nail techs and waxing specialists and estheticians and natural hair weavers—they all fall under the license, a general division of licensing called appearance enhancement. So Appearance Enhancement writes a rule book, okay, but no one's there to make sure it happens. So you start at a good school like Atelier Estétique and you build into the students what is within their scope of license to beautify, to tonify, to clean, to tone, to soften with chemical and physical and electrical means. In no way does it say to do injections. It's no way does it say to draw blood. And in in no way does it say to work any deeper than the epidermis. We are within the scope of license if we work on the epidermis, the most superficial layer of the skin. And another thing that I talk to people about is language. Yes, we know that by holding a a radio frequency machine at a very gentle setting. We know by holding a um, microdermabrasion machine, we know that we're affecting the skin deep underneath. But to use the word that we're doing this and that to the dermis, that's where I do a lot of training, Mary. It's all about language. We are we are on the we are on the most superficial layer of the skin the epidermis and we can say we're going deep we're stimulating elastin and collagen we have repair we have rejuvenation we have rehydration it's all in the wording so there's no one there to police the language that estheticians are using there's no one there to police the menus and by the way There's no such thing as the FDA does not control cosmetics. We register cosmetics, but this is an industry. Aesthetics is an industry that is self-policed, and it's done by education. So I guess I still go back to education. I started my life in education in 1985. Atelier S C T Institute is now 33 years old. And we try to maintain as much inner ethics, ethics, integrity, and it isn't all about money. And I think we should tell the consumers that if they think that they have, uh, they're a victim of any incompetent licensee of the Department of State, That is, that would be hair, nails, skin, waxing, And aesthetics, they can contact the Department of State, and I'm going to give you a number, 212-417-5747, or they can access the department's website at www.dos.newyork.gov. And you just complete an anonymous complaint form. But again, remember that... Estheticians have a lot to do: microdermabrasion, chemical peels, laser hair removal, LED light therapy, microcurrent, um, dermaplaning. Uh, they have a lot to do. We we even got into the field of micro needling, but microneedling that stays on the surface of the skin. So it's micro with a a um, closed cartridge, which 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 never goes into the dermis. So again, it's everything I'm saying. There are machines out there. But will the esthetician use them within her scope of license? And she should because then her insurance protects her. So what estheticians cannot do, they can't remove moles. They can't do injections. They can't do microneedling that go into live tissue and draw blood. They can't do tattooing. They can't do permanent makeup and they can't do microblading. They certainly can't do um um they can't they can't start drawing blood, making channels of of um needles in the face, injecting platelets into the face. This is just way too
2: far and we yeah. do
1: need control. Yeah. We do need control. Maybe you're right. That should be my next my next job.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sheriff, Sheriff Hansen. <laughs> Um, So I, I, I guess that touches into, you know, what are your biggest concerns about the industry right now outside of policing? Like, you know, you've seen this huge wave of all these different trends and you're saying Instagram has kind of changed the whole uh, terrain of what's going on, but what, what, what concerns you the most?
1: I think the, industry of technology has gone too far too fast so Mm -hmm. we're going to the education field we have to expand the scope of license by creating an advanced modality license so there are states that have done that and made it and made it much safer for estheticians and estheticians exactly know what they can and cannot do Um, So we we either have to expand the scope of the license by creating an advanced modality, or we're going to have to go, we're going to have to create CEUs for every state that brings back the esthetician and reminds them what they can do. Because Mm -hmm. I've heard the term, first of all, there's the term, medical esthetician there is no such thing as a medical esthetician you can say that you're you're uh, practicing in a medical practice but the 600-hour license everyone walks out of my school atelier aesthetic Institute with an aesthetics license whether they work in a holistic spa whether they work in Duane Reed, whether they work in a medical practice, they are only an esthetician. You can't just put on your business card CME and tell people you're a certified medical esthetician. Mm-hmm. That, that term doesn't exist. We don't have that license. There is no license. Uh, you could say that you, you could put on your card advanced athet- paramedical aesthetics, meaning that you know a lot about Um, about the treatments that doctors do. But remember, estheticians aren't allowed to diagnose, prescribe. They're not allowed to treat skin conditions or diseases. And um, they're not doctors. They can't prescribe medication. So the estheticians who work in offices of medical practitioners, just because they work there, it doesn't mean they can perform any invasive procedure.
2: And that even goes for the fact that, like, you can get certifications, especially like in England, that are more medical-based. Those certifications can't be brought back here and still used because it's still out of the scope of our licenses, correct?
1: Absolutely. So people go and take and take their courses abroad, and then they bring it back here. Um and um there's a lot of UK companies coming in and creating certain facials even in department stores. And what they didn't what they didn't do is watch what their esthetician's language is saying to the consumer. Because one day there will be an inspector there. All it takes, Mary, so the FDA doesn't control um cosmetics and aesthetic treatments, but all it takes is one bad reaction, one burn, and it comes to the attention of the Department of State consumer complaint. The complaint goes up to the FDA. That's how this started with chemical peels. That's why chemical peels have a strength that we cannot go above as an esthetician, and we can only do superficial chemical peels because people were just getting recipes off the internet. They were making it in their garage, and they were doing it on consumers, and they were (sighs) getting a lot of money for it. And it it took a lot of complaints. Because the alpha-hydroxy rage, the glycolic rage, which I taught for 13 years and introduced it correctly and introduced it with you couldn't go over a 30% AHA and you could only use a certain amount of TCA and a certain amount of resorcinol. We teach that. We teach what estheticians can safely do. So what I'm saying is the estheticians have the right training but we have a lot of former estheticians that didn't go to a 600-hour licensing school they were grandfathered in or we have people coming straight from the UK which as you said is got a lot of machinery and they come here and they set up shop and so far no injuries they're still going on
2: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely going around, and and like you said, when people are looking for something new and they see it on Instagram, they're like, ooh, what's that? I want to bring that in, and even though they're not supposed to, so, uh, but, yeah, and their
1: insurance wouldn't hold up because all they have to do the the insurance says, are you practicing within your scope of license? And the answer is no.
2: Yeah, no, it's true. And then
1: then there's they could become a sixty thousand facial. By, by, by a product you know a new a new peel that they don't know what's inside and they don't know what the strength is they know they're getting good results on kim kardashian they bring it in and now there's a big problem and there are lawsuits there are lawsuits lots of lawsuits
2: let's let's talk about something that you're excited about in the skincare industry right now
1: well, it's a double-edged sword. I am excited about all the new all the new modalities. I'm excited that uh, when I brought in G H uh, K copper peptides in the year 2000, it's now a phenomenon. And now everyone's using peptides, which are chains of amino acids, and they're creating uh, peptide facials. And I was the pioneer of that. I'm very excited about the cosmetics. The cosmetics are getting extremely scientific, and they really, really work. And, uh, you know, Gene by Lancome, that's gene therapy. It, it's wonderful. And so I'm, I'm impressed with the uh, science behind cosmetics. I think that's great. But listen, we have a lot with electrical means. If we can just make some regulations for Radio frequency, another word for other you know, more common um brand name is thermage. If we can start making some rules for aestheticians on how far they can do, on what they can do, it won't be so open and unregulated. And um everyone says to me, Where where's where's the inspectors on this? Yeah. So it, it's you know, and it's very hard because you have estheticians working in doctors' office who thinks they can do everything, but they really can't because it's not their scope of license. So you have people who are an esthetician, but they take off their esthetician badge and they just become a certified laser specialist, and then they fire off the laser.
2: Mm, so it, yeah.
1: it's really not. It's really not an easy. It's not it's it's not an easy journey, but. I'm I'm excited and scared about the technology. Interesting. I'm 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 excited. I really believe that you know my my role is really to go out there and and educate estheticians on what they should be saying because it's all in the language. As long as we stay on the superficial layer, as long as we practice on the epidermis, as long as we are non ablative and non-invasive those are our those are our words
2: and I think that's a good plan yeah and
1: that that is my plan
2: (laughs) (laughs) so you know what what's been the hardest thing for you about the the business in general like you've done so many things in your career that I'll cover on the blog and so on uh, but I just what's what's been the hardest thing about the business for you
1: say that you know that That education goes with economics so when there's an economic downturn then people can't send their children to school so I'm so glad that I have always had two-day courses and four-month courses so that I could always keep educating that that was the most important thing to me Um, seeing the change I think You know, the internet, the internet, everyone thinks everything they read on the internet is gospel. So, before, I used to be an educator and I used to go to the big trade shows, and people trusted Annette Hansen and they got their knowledge from the experts in front of them. The other thing is the business of Selling equipment was again by training you would come to you would come to a vendor and they would educate you about their piece of equipment now people just go on the internet so part of my business to be a distributor of facial equipment to be a distributor of massage beds to be a distributor that was that part of my business was gone everybody went direct on the mm. internet which i understand is great for pricing you can search around but you never had the education and the care and the consideration that a an, a vendor would give that person
2: it's so again, definitely it's- missing in the industry like you're you 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 are i think you're hitting that key point because there's other people I know that sell equipment in the industry, and their, their big thing that they keep having to express to the buyers is, hey, listen, I'm giving you education and care and safety and all these different things. I, it's not about price. So it's, it's very, very, uh, you, you hit a nerve there.
1: Yeah. And we, we, you know, I bought equipment from equipment people people that made skin care equipment. I worked five years for a company called Dynex in 1985, and I was the education manager. I taught steamers. I taught high-frequency. I taught galvanic. I taught um, spray machines. I taught vacuum suction, and that's how I learned. I think everybody's calling themselves an expert. They're calling themselves a consultant, Based on what? Who are you listening to? Now, how, how does a blog become more important than a textbook?
0: How, a different how, format.
1: Yeah, a different format. So we're, we're moving quickly, but there's no peer-reviewed re- journals. When I introduced alpha-hydroxy acids to the American market with MD formulations, we would teach that our data... Was peer-reviewed by by experts in the field so what I was espousing and what was coming out of my mouth was really scientifically true so you know it's still buyer beware it's still you know if you're about about to put your face in the hands of someone do some research Is is there is is there direct supervision of of the um, uh, where is the doctor in the medical spa when I did research for this um, podcast which thank you very much Mary I love speaking when, when I when I did the research I found that yes lots was coming from medical facilities but then I found single estheticians offering the same thing just saying yeah. they, were, they were an esthetician and how they got hold of these skin rejuvenation lasers beats me because they are not to be sold by anybody but a doctor. So then you have the unscrupulous laser vendors that are selling directly to my graduates and then the graduate is getting the training from the unscrupulous uh, seller of laser equipment and they're hanging out their shingle. This is just an accident waiting to happen. And what I'm so afraid of is when you have any insurance um, investigation, it goes, back to the, it goes back to the laser itself. It goes back to the seller of the laser. Then it goes to the operator. And then if that operator happened to go to my school, I have to defend myself. Because mm-hmm. in no way did I say ever, and did any of my instructors say that they could go out and purchase a skin tightening laser and fire it up
2: no you're you're very clear on the rules and and even when estheticians come from your school to go for testing i you can tell a huge difference between someone who's been trained by the school at atelier and other places it's it's just it, you can tell that uh, the cleanliness factor; all these different things are very, very different. So, Atelier does definitely differentiate, and it's it's good for the consumer to know that maybe, at least in New York, um, they look at the backgrounds of the estheticians where they're coming from, and that might help to guide them. In addition to talking to the state and and so on and so forth, so that that's that would be a good tip. Right,
1: and you know the the thing is that. Every state is starting to look at all these advanced modalities, and they are, are trying to be proactive, um, because who is qualified to run an aesthetic medical center, and who is not? And the public, they will do anything for age-defying technology. And when the public will do anything for age-defying procedures, now we have the market ripe for abuse. Mm-hmm. And in a no-man's land, okay? We're in a no-man's land because these these spa, these spa medical spa treatments are in a doctor's office, but then they're sort of translating right into spas and salons. It's a Wild West, but I'm going to, again, ask your listeners to remember the words non-invasive, non-ablative, meaning you can't abrade the skin and draw blood, and working on the Epidermis if we do these three things the trifecta and we repeat it over like a mantra, that's how an esthetician will always be able to to defend themselves in, in, you know in any inspector because those are the words that is what's supposed to be
2: that's really helpful so i I wanted to also let the listeners know you had two skincare lines and sold them to focus on the academy. Do you ever think about coming out with a skincare line again?
1: I created a line called Simple Solutions with GHK Copper Peptides. So I, in a way, started the peptide amino acid market. Um, and it's, it's absolutely, you have to have an ingredient that defines the line, which I did. So I had a copper serum and a copper day cream and a copper night cream, and I had um, uh, copper masks, and I sincerely believed in my line. I had knowledge behind me. I had years and years of knowing the ingredients of every other cosmetic brand. I did not have a movie star behind me. I did not have a model behind me. I had all my knowledge of 30 years of aesthetics so it's hard it takes a lot of money it takes so a single you know a single owner without backup i think it's very difficult so when students say and they come to school and say, I want to open my own line, I say, well, first of all, you're going to have to know about everyone else's line because why would your cosmetic line be different? You need a mm-hmm. point of, that's the most important thing, a point of difference. The second line that I created was aqua sante with the benefits of seaweed and seawater.
2: The best, okay. by the way.
1: Thank you. So, um, <laughs> so seaweed. Antioxidants. Sea water. Seaweed has antioxidants, calming, anti-inflammatory, and actually, seawater represents blood plasma. And there's, you know, there, there's stories of um, uh, of a dog being run over, and they couldn't get him to the vet, and they used seawater. They did a transfusion of seawater, and the dog lived. That's because. <laughs> water is so similar to
2: blood plasma which is amazing but you know there, there has been a lot of seaweed products out there and a lot of seaweed companies and i can say that uh just even the detox bath that you had before you sold it was absolutely brilliant i mean it, it knocked me out because it was just all that detox that you got from it and seaweed is going back to kind of the basics like people don't understand how powerful just the basics are you don't even have to go into all this fancy stuff to be effective so I think the you know
1: seaweed grows in the ocean. So there's not much more natural than growing in the ocean, rich in antioxidants, fiber, omega three, fatty acids, okay, and um it it it, it can be translated into seaweed detoxifying wraps it can be it can be turned into seawater herbal remineralizing for the skin and it can be done for the face also seaweed masks yeah yeah so you know, Mary all I can say that was the year 2000 that nothing's new under the sun everything goes in cycles so now all of a sudden my seaweed is becoming important it was yeah. important. It was important twenty twenty years ago.
2: Well, we got to get it back. <laughs> 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 we'll work on that. We'll work on that. So I'm going to go ahead and with questions from customers. We have Amanda from Texas who asks, um, "Should skin break out after a facial, and why does this happen?"
1: Skin should not break out after a facial, but it's normal if it does. Meaning that sometimes the skin gets worse before it gets better, skin takes the, the, the treatment, it's detoxing. and if a person has three years of buildup of sabum and dead cells and sunscreen in their pores, there might be a slight a slight uh, redness, a slight, a slight breakout. Um, it stirs up. Bacteria after extraction. So, if you're a trained esthetician, you're going to disinfect, and you're going to use high frequency to um, to disinfect the bacteria. Some skin reacts to steam and facial massage and new products and clay, um, but all all I all I know is that it it goes away sometimes in 24 hours, sometimes in 20 minutes. You have to allow time um, for the skin to, to, uh, I say, almost almost calm down. So that after extractions, you of course are going to put on a calming mask and you should never leave the spa with any welts or blotches. So somebody's been too over-aggressive with their products and their extractions. Again, find a good esthetician, read the reviews, and talk to, the best thing is word of mouth. Yeah. A facial yeah. is really like a workout at the gym. You know, it doesn't necessarily make you beautiful the first visit, but the <laughs> benefits kick in after a few days.
2: We, we, we've we been gym, gym uh, buddies at some point. <laughs> We've run into the gym together, so we can both uh, uh, attest to that analogy.
1: <laughs>
2: <Absolutely>. <laughs> so I have Elaine now in New York who wants to share. She had some lash tinting done at the cosmetics counter at a major department store downtown, and her eyes had swollen shut, and um, she was just afraid to report it, and she didn't even know lash tinting was illegal in the state of New York. And she she really wants people to learn from her accident, but... She says if someone were to have this reaction again, or she, she's not going to do it, but if someone were to have this reaction, she wants to know what they should do, which I think you already answered in that phone number you gave us. But if you could repeat, you know, what steps would someone take if they have a reaction that is short of having to go to the emergency room?
1: FDA doesn't allow die to really die eyelashes because there was a case in the 1930s where the product got in the eye the person went to the movie for three or four hours and of course their eye got red and um, and got and was was uh, infected so the United States seized any eyelash dye product coming from Europe that had coal tar dye in it Ooh. and There was a big wave here um, of vegetable dyes. So again, in the language of the menu, we are using vegetable dye to dye your eyelashes. It's not completely true because when you analyze what they're using, they have some real dye in it and real coal tar dye. Estheticians, again, are trained to do this um, by a lead esthetician at a salon because it is not allowed to be taught in skincare schools because it is illegal to use coal tar dye. But in advanced modalities, we teach the esthetician how to properly, without any chance of running into the eye, to dye the eyes. Now, I can't imagine at a department store was the person an esthetician? Did she receive training? What product was she using? Again, she told
2: me the company. It's. It's. I. I doubt that these people were estheticians, and it's someone who's known majorly for brows um, where they were set up. So they. They've got a big menu for this, yeah. but. Um, and
1: again, no. There's no inspectors watching the menus. So yeah. again, until until you hurt someone, it's not brought to the attention of an inspector and and you know, as long as as long as she has beautiful results or she or he has beautiful results, nothing will happen. So again, I uh, I do think that she should have contacted the Department of State and I'll just repeat that number, 212-417-5747 and um, also go on the website at www.dos.ny.gov and complete a complaint form. This can be done um, anonymously. But the other thing is if she was truly hurt, then she has to see an eye doctor and the bill has to go to the operator. In, mm-hmm. that, that's for sure, what has to happen. but it can be done, Mary. I mean, I, I was trained in Europe. I did them all the time. It can be done safely. The question is, the question is, it's always the operator. Did yeah. the operator yeah. receive training? Did she even know that she was supposed to be using vegetable dye? How many times has she done it? You see, these people are just, again, it's, it's about money. And getting people on the floor and it, again I just say to the the consumer buyer beware why would a top financial analyst put their hands put their face in the hands of someone that they don't even know the background of when well, you yeah. choose a financial advisor you look at the resume so why aren't customers thinking about the resume
2: because Groupon changed everything.
1: <laughs> that is true. So you asked what, what was the biggest change, negative. I think it's internet direct sales without training. And, and, and you're right, Groupon. It's just about how many clients, how fast, how much money. And that was not the healing hands. That's not what, what the healing hands were
2: all about. Yeah, now that makes sense. And I understand because I'm, I'm late to the game. I've been licensed only since um, the mid-2000s. And, you know, I understand there were a lot fewer estheticians. So the competition was different and people weren't taking the risks that they are now. So um, I, I hear that it's very different now from what it used to be.
1: Yes, that was the biggest change. I mean, it's competition. So you asked me, would I do another uh, product line? I have been asked many times. No. It takes too much money it takes a celebrity behind you um, and uh, and what's your difference why should they buy your product yeah I did have a difference in the year 2000 I had GHK copper peptides and I had seaweed and seawater water uh, remineralizing and detoxifying sure. uh, that sure. was that was absolutely big and different at the time
2: and effective not just those things it was the fact that it was the the product spoke for itself so and they that, worked
1: and they worked yeah. and so yeah. when you have all these products on the internet and and they're all stars i mean what about goop i mean you know maybe it works maybe it's good but are people using products because kim kardashian used them or
2: i think more times them? than not
1: <laughs>
2: yeah right yeah i think so we, we
1: answered the question yeah
2: well, but also because people wouldn't keep cycling through so many different brands all the time if they were happy. So it's, it's, you're right. Celebrity is, a, I think, a big uh, reason why, why a co- company could have a problem getting to market.
1: Whereas, whereas when, when, when we were in this market in the 2000s, people used a product because they saw the incredible results and they saw the complexion and the glow of a friend. And they would say, oh, my God, Mary, have you been on vacation? Well, each, You know, if that was the difference, you would say, this handsome, what did you do to your skin? Mary, what did you do to your skin? That was results-oriented
2: products.
1: Nothing to do with movie stars.
2: Yeah, no, it's true. When, when skincare was safe and effective...
1: Yeah, um, an effective is a good word. Yep.
2: Yeah. So I have a final question for S- Stephanie. She said her and her friends are approaching their 40s and they're not sure to where to start with facials. Um, even though she's now in New York, she came from a town where she grew up and facials were seen as indulgent and not essential. And she's concerned because they're all seeing that they're aging. Um, can you tell us why facials are necessary uh, and how to find a talented facialist outside of just talking to someone because not everyone talks about their good skincare person Um, and does price equate talents and because her and her friends are afraid of their skin getting hurt so there is some backlash going on because people are hearing the nightmares but you know they're 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 all scared and they would love to hear your your opinion on this
1: well as we were saying, what was the difference about French beauty? Well, the French don't consider skincare as pampering. And um, they, they think it's a necessary part of life. And I do believe that more and more people are having facials and it's in their lifestyle now. And it is important because of the cities that we live in, the pollution, the coating on the skin, And people need to understand even the aging process, okay? Um, 10% of the aging is genetics, and the rest is all environment. So you have your climate, you have your pollution, you have your sun, you have your smoking, you have what do you eat. The main thing I would say is, yes, these ladies have to start a facial. Where would they choose a salon? Word of mouth not Groupon, word of mouth. They see a beautiful woman, they talk to them in the club, where are they going? Are they having facials? And nine times out of ten, they are having facials, okay? The, the, the most important thing, a facial is only done once every 30 days. It matters about your products, your skin care products. Do, did, did the person give you a proper skin analysis? And did she recommend products that are ideally suited to your face to make a difference? And so that gets back to aesthetics, that gets back to training, that gets back to skin analysis, okay? And, and um, proper skincare regimen done every day and night, you, you understand, is much more important than a facial done once a month.
2: That's, that's very wise words from a woman that's been around for <laughs> for, for only 10 years. No, <laughs> thank
1: you, thank you. Uh, I never want to say, but I, I really have been in this business. I think I grew up with it. My father was a pharmacist. My mother worked alongside him uh, in the pharmacy selling uh, Dewberry Cosmetics. She was um, a very powerful role model. And I knew nothing, but I would grow up, and I would open my own business. And now I opened in the Empire State Building. I opened on Park Avenue. And and now I'm in the uh, uh, Chelsea area right next to FIT. And I'm having the most uh, enrollment of estheticians ever,
2: 250.
1: Wow. started with six. In 1996 and it's now 250 students so for the any listeners out there aesthetics is definitely a growth industry um, there will always be a job for you you can pick your own hours you can pick your own um, days to work you can even work in New York State you can even work out of your home and you can even create a mobile spa so this is a great career for any man or woman who wants to enhance the appearance of the face and neck and body of a human being.
2: That's well said. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, Ms. Hansen, everyone uh, comes with a beauty hack. What is your beauty <laughs> hack? Well,
1: if that means my... My secret, I would say that I have never, ever, in my short life, gone to bed with my eye makeup on. I always use a distinct product, an eye makeup remover, to remove my eye and lip makeup. And uh, I think you can attest to the fact that I don't have any eye wrinkles.
2: No, not one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, as Miss as Mary has done my uh, makeup for all my uh, headshots, uh, <laughs> she can be a, a truth-sayer that I really do believe in it. And this, these um, makeup wipes and uh, having one product for everything, no, I specialize. There is an eye and lip makeup remover. There is an, a, a cleanser um, that should be used on the skin. There is uh, products to rehydrate. There are products to firm. There are specialized products for eyes. I would never use anything near my eye that didn't have the word eye in the title. Okay? Eye cream, eye gel, eye makeup remover, eye massage, eye pad, (laughs) and and I use specialized neck creams also. Ah. So, So that, you know, I seek out the... I seek out neck creams in every single line because that's what's missing the most in in product lines. I feel.
2: Is there one you like?
1: <laughs> well, oh boy, I I I I, I do want to say to all the listeners out there that uh, anything I said had a disclaimer today. It is my opinion only, but there are some great neck creams out there. I. Um, I know there's one by um, Strivectin. They just improved their newest um, neck cream out there. I think that's uh, one of them is excellent.
2: Oh, okay. No, that's, that's, I mean, they were the ones that kind of started that whole wave of anti-aging creams and beauty anyway. It it started the race. So, yeah. They started the
1: race and they're still in it. Because uh, and they're still in it. And if you check uh, New Beauty, you'll see advertisements for Strivectin. They were the ones who uh, took a lot of medical, uh, scientific knowledge and put it into their skincare products. And they were sold in department stores, so that was new and different.
2: Well, so again, and you have Mary. a. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say. And again, you have an excellent neck. So, and that's that's not a lot of women <laughs> could say
0: that. <laughs>
1: Thanks, thanks. Well, listen, now I'm now I'm working on really good uh eating habits. As much as I love my red wine, and it's it's done good by me and my skin for these years. It does have a lot of sugar in it, so I'm trying to cut back.
2: <laughs> or you could just have dry wine. I have an expert coming on for for wine, so we'll we'll find a way to convert that for you. So don't give up yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds good, sounds good, sounds good. Well, and listen, I can just remind the readers it takes a lot more muscles to frown than it is to smile, and smiling is contagious. And I have always been an optimist, and I've always been happy, and I've always smiled, and I think that's a, a good good um, recommendation for keeping your beauty. That's a really this nice from- note. It is from the inside out. It is from the inside out. If you're a miserable person, you probably will have miserable skin. That's the way I feel.
2: Oh, that's a great quote. <laughs> well, Ms. Hansen, I really appreciate you taking your time out on this Saturday. You're a busy woman with lots of different things going on, and I think you're going to really help people figure out you know, the best ways to, to handle their skin and skincare. So thank you for again coming on the show and, and giving our listeners a
0: lot of good sound advice.
1: Thank you for asking me and I hope to come back soon.
0: Excellent. My name is Mary Shook, and I hope you've enjoyed this fourth episode of Beauty GPS in the Raw with Annette Hansen. I hope we cleared up a bit of what to expect from a skincare practitioner in most states. Keep in mind, the skincare industry is having a Wild West moment, and the regulators have made it up to the industry to police itself. Reactions and random accidents are bound to happen, but it's important to disclose everything to your chosen skincare provider to reduce any skincare mishaps. Keep in mind that every state's laws are different. You can find out more information about legal services in your state by visiting beautygps.com. Also, let us know what part of the beauty and wellness industry you'd like for us to help you navigate. And if you like the show, please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you're listening to now. Thanks for listening. Beauty GPS is copyright 2019. Beauty by Mary Shook, LLC. All rights reserved.